Support for Kansas City Today comes from Cleveland University, Kansas City. From its roots as a chiropractic college to new degree programs in health sciences, CUKC is educating healthcare professionals focused on next-level health. Learn more at cleveland.edu slash impact. This is Kansas City Today. I'm Nomi Nujia-Dean. Today is Wednesday, August 31st. Coming up, the creation of Kansas City Barbecue can be traced back to a black entrepreneur in 1907. He smoked barbecue better than anybody. And they traveled from as far as Leavenworth, Kansas, just to eat his food. We'll bring you the story of Henry Perry. Plus, up until recently, few people knew about Hiram Young, an enslaved man who went on to become one of Independence, Missouri's wealthiest citizens. It was kind of like a secret, uh, something underlying that, that we were not told about. We'll bring you the story of an entrepreneur's path to fortune and his lasting legacy. But first, some headlines. A newly formed group opposes Missouri's ballot referendum to legalize recreational marijuana. KCUR's Salisa Kalakal has more. The group, called Impactful Canner Reform Coalition, hopes to persuade Missourians to vote against the amendment. The group is critical of provisions calling for civil fines of up to $100 for smoking marijuana in public and for the expungement of criminal records for nonviolent marijuana offenses. Missouri Representative Ashley Bland Manlove, a Kansas City Democrat, is one of the founders of the group. Its members include existing cannabis businesses that would likely face additional competition if the amendment is passed. A local health department is gauging interest in a COVID-19 vaccine set for FDA and CDC consideration this week. KCUR's Noah Taborda reports. The Platte County Health Department is administering a survey to assess community demand for so-called bivalent vaccines expected as early as Labor Day. The survey asks if people are interested in the shot, what brand they prefer, and how they would like to receive the vaccine. So is it drive-through method of vaccination? Would it be just coming to a regular clinic? Or if we find that the need is much greater than what we originally thought, potentially scaling up our operations to a much larger vaccination site. The vaccine targets both the original virus strain and now-dominant Omicron subvariants. Kansas farmers battered by drought now have more weather to worry about in space. David Condos of the Kansas News Service reports on how solar flares could disrupt GPS farm equipment. GPS powers a lot of the technology that runs Kansas farms these days. More than two-thirds of grain farms use satellite guidance to steer their planters and harvesters in the most precise, efficient way possible. But that tech can be disrupted by space weather, specifically solar flares, which are expected to increase in intensity over the next several years. Terry Griffin, an agricultural economist with Kansas State University, says even just two days of disrupted GPS during a critical time could really add up for Midwestern farmers. It could be easily a billion-dollar loss in efficiency. Griffin says farmers should prepare by coming up with backup plans to keep their farms going without GPS. Today, we bring you two stories from another KCUR podcast, A People's History of Kansas City. The first is about the Black entrepreneur who created Kansas City Barbecue in the early 1900s. KCUR's Mackenzie Martin brings us the story of Henry Perry. One of the first things you should know about Henry Perry is that he didn't get the name Barbecue King posthumously. He called himself the Barbecue King. He put it in newspaper ads. It was on the window of his restaurant. Perry also didn't create barbecue in Kansas City. 
People were already barbecuing meat when he arrived in 1907 from Memphis. He was just the first guy to really make a living selling it. He smoked barbecue better than anybody. And they traveled from as far as Leavenworth, Kansas, just to eat his food. In spite of it being the Jim Crow era, Kansas City historians like Sonny Gibson say Perry's various restaurants in the 18th and Vine neighborhood attracted a diverse customer base. You could walk in through the front door, you would see black and white people. It was a place where segregation ended when you walked through the door. It's not like barbecue was the great unifier, but like jazz at the time, it was a place where black and white people coexisted in ways they weren't doing elsewhere. According to Perry, there was only one way to cook barbecue, slow cooked over a fire made from hickory and oak wood with the meat juices dripping directly on the coals. But while he was picky about how he barbecued, he wasn't picky about what he barbecued. He barbecued and he cooked everything. Raccoons, coons, rabbits. Possum, hog, mutton. Based on what we know, though, we can safely assume that all of it was pretty tasty, right? Aren't you a little curious what it would taste like? No, I'm not curious. No way. Ain't nobody gonna eat no barbecue raccoon. Well, there's at least one person. I've eaten a uh, coon before. It has a real pleasant taste, coon does. Jim Watts is the ombudsman at the Black Archives of Mid-America, and he actually credits Perry's marketing and business savvy with what got people to come from all over. Perry was the guy that stood up, wanted to make a living doing something that he liked doing. He was a businessman. And Perry's influence didn't end when he died in 1940. In a sense, his influence tripled. See, there were three notable apprentices that Henry Perry taught about barbecue, Arthur Pinkard and brothers Arthur and Charlie Bryant. Pinkard went on to cook barbecue for the Gates family. Meanwhile, the Bryant brothers created the business that we know as Arthur Bryant's, all the while crediting Henry Perry with teaching them everything they knew. But in spite of all that he accomplished, very few Kansas Cityans know the story of Henry Perry, including his own descendants. I am Bernetta McKendra, and I am the granddaughter of Henry Perry. McKendra never met her grandfather, and she didn't grow up hearing stories about him from her mother or her grandmother. He just wasn't talked about. It was just known that he was the barbecue king. She says last summer was when it really sunk in for her that Henry Perry was someone special. That's when an official Henry Perry Day was proclaimed in Kansas City and Jackson County. It was a glorious time. It was really a time of, of reckoning that not only was this man being recognized, but he also was my blood relative. The thing that's been most interesting to me is his tenacity. What was the drive that kept him going? Today, there isn't a Henry Perry's barbecue in downtown Kansas City. But there's Gates and Arthur Bryant's. Elsewhere, there's Joe's, Jones, LC's, Jack Stack, Q39, and countless others, some of which wouldn't be around today if it wasn't for Henry Perry. And while they might not cook the meat directly on the coals like Perry did, they're still carrying on the tradition of barbecue excellence in Kansas City that he started in the early 1900s. For KCUR 89.3, I'm Mackenzie Martin.
Being a free black man in Missouri before the Civil War was rare, let alone being a free, rich black man. But that's who Hiram Young was. At one point, he was the wealthiest man in Independence, Missouri. And until recently, most people had no idea who he was. But KCUR's Carlos Moreno reports that's changing. Young School is a single-story brick schoolhouse in Independence, Missouri. It's where Alversia Pettigrew learned her ABCs as a child in the 1950s. Back then, she never gave much thought to its name. I thought it was a, a school for young blacks. That's what I thought young meant. Just young school for young kids, young black kids. After decades of sitting unused, the building officially reopened its doors in July as the home of Truman Heritage Habitat for Humanity. It will offer classes for new homeowners. One room will be dedicated to the memory of the former slave who helped build it. Pettigrew says she was well into adulthood before she knew anything about Hiram Young. You know, it was kind of like a secret, uh, something underlying that, that we were not told about. Harm Young was born into slavery in Tennessee in 1812 and found his way to Missouri with his owner. Legend has it that he whittled ox yokes and pick handles to earn enough money to buy his own freedom and then his wife's. By 1850, he had settled in independence as a free man with his wife and young daughter. Then he started building wagons. Travis Boley, manager of the Oregon-California Trails Association, says Young's wagons were so in demand that he became the wealthiest person in the county. And Hiram Young was in a very fortunate place at the time because Independence and a few other jumping off towns between here and Omaha were, was the epicenter of the westward movement into, into what became the American West. But the Civil War was looming. By 1860, Young could see it was time to leave. Pre-Civil War, but on the cusp, it's not safe for a black man, a colored man of means in his own words, to stay in Independence, Missouri. It's just not safe. Kansas City historian Diane Houston says Young moved his family and his business to Leavenworth, Kansas. They returned to Independence after the war, but it was not easy. He's still trying to give back to the community, his community, but he also finds that he's lost a ton of property because the Union Army pillaged his property and destroyed a lot of it. And the railroad was also replacing wagons. Young converted his shop to a lumber mill, but it was damaged by a fire. Houston says the community came to Young's aid. Even the Kansas City Star wrote about this and were encouraging their readers to invest in Hiram Young. So they got together the money to get Hiram Young back in business. He raised so much money, he was able to open the first school for black children in Independence, Frederick Douglass School. It's not clear if he lived long enough to see his daughter teach or, as some say, even serve as principal at that school. Young died in 1882. In a show of respect, the city of Independence allowed him to be buried in the white section of Woodlawn Cemetery. And the Frederick Douglass School? It was renamed for Young, but closed a few years after the Brown versus Board of Education ruling in 1954. But now, this past July, it's open again, which makes Alversia Pettigrew very happy. It makes me feel that, finally, Hiram Young speaks. He has a voice. She's proud to see Young's name freshly painted atop the building. Just as she'd always thought, the school was built for young black kids, but it was built by a former slave with an extraordinary life, and now Hiram Young's name and story are being reclaimed. 
For KCUR 89.3, I'm Carlos Moreno. To learn more about Hiram Young's life and legacy, check out A People's History of Kansas City on your favorite podcast app. And there is a live People's History event all about Kansas City's Barbecue King tomorrow evening at the Gem Theater. For tickets, go to kcur.org events. This is Kansas City Today. I'm Nomi Nujia-Dean. This podcast is produced by Trevor Grandin, Byron Love, and KCUR Studios. It's edited by Lisa Rodriguez and Gabe Rosenberg. For more local news from Kansas City's NPR station, visit kcur.org. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you tomorrow. Tomorrow.